All right, we finished our break. Let's get into the word this morning. And um, I must admit, I'm missing you all. Can't wait to see you all next week. Hopefully, you can make it down to Q to Hayes Paddock. At, I think it's one o'clock. I think Carvin has made it, and it's going to be fantastic. We're all going to see each other again. And uh, not only is is the picnic happening next Sunday, but also we've got a special cartooning event happening for the kids in Kids Life that morning. So if you know any friends who have kids that might want to get on, uh, make sure they email in the church office and get all the Zoom details. And the cartooning is going to be there for, for both age groups. It'll be fantastic. So they can bring their drawing paper and their colouring in pencils. And, uh, yeah, learn how to do some uh, cartooning skills. It'll be fantastic. And then, of course, invite them to the picnic afterwards. It'll be so good to actually be able to hang out with one another. Uh, Can you imagine when we can actually get together again and start worshipping together? Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. But in the meantime, until we can do that, the next step for us is to be able to get into people's homes. So hopefully you've already started doing that, inviting friends over and other Melbourne lifers who can come over and, and uh, join in and watch the service together, have some lunch together and just hang out and really do do relationships and do family, do church family well, get your friends together, it'll be fantastic. Uh, it's great timing, especially after such a long time in, in, uh, in lockdown. It's going to be it sort of feels like the perfect time that we can start to get together. I must admit I'm tired. <laughs> don't know about you but I'm kind of tired and um, I'm so tired actually but I guess Brahm and I really felt the lockdown especially in those last couple of months I don't know about you but we really felt uh, everything uh, go up quite if you look at a curve it went up quite swiftly the impact that it had on on Brahm and I just just the lack of seeing people the lack of being able to be with our families and be you know, even be able to see my mum and just just being able to be together with people. We've really, it's really started to play on us. And, uh, but, you know, in, in that time, and of course we've heard of so many issues around the area of mental health with people in, in the state of Victoria and, of course, in the rest of Australia, but especially in, in Melbourne, we've done it tough here. And I guess what I wanted to share today with you is just some, some skills that I've really learned in the every day of 41 years of really walking with Jesus and walking with the Lord. These are principles that I've really trained myself in that I want to share today. Um, because how do we cope with life in general, let alone the peaks of heightened uh, disruptions in our lives like we've all just experienced? You know, there are, there are some certain skills that we need as Christians, as believers. Yes, as human beings, obviously we need to know, but as believers, we can draw from something and from someone and from somewhere, from the truth of the word of God, that other people don't have the ability to do so. So I guess I want to really just focus in on those today. And how do we traverse the land, so to speak, to conquer in this thing called life? And uh I think the first thing that I've really realized, and these are skills that I've developed, as I said, over 41 years of walking with the Lord and walking with Brahm as a partnership in God together. Number one, I've really learned the principle and the importance of how we all need to disciple ourselves firmly through any season. Discipleship is something that we do for ourselves. We often think of of how people have to disciple us. But as the seasons shift and change in our lives, especially like what we've just experienced in 2020, we begin to learn the value and the power 
of discipling ourselves. And we have to do that firmly. We have to be brutal with ourselves because no one else, even Brahm can't, he can disciple me, but he can't respond to the word of God. That's the only the only thing that I can do is to respond to truth. He can't do that for me. He can teach me. He can equip me. He can impart to me. But in the end, I have to disciple myself and grow those areas of my own life up really strongly and firmly in truth. You know, there's a, um, a passage of scripture I want to read to you from Luke, which I think really helps us to understand the principle of what it's like to go through the different seasons of change and disruptions and and hope and hopelessness and waiting for things. And this is out of Luke 1, and I'll just start from verse 13. It says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. So this is prophesying about the coming of John the Baptist, who was to come before Jesus and to prepare a way. And it goes on to say, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. So, But in that first line we read, first of all, we know that he's, he's been praying. He's been praying and he's been asking. This has been something that he has been longing for. He and his wife have been longing for a child. And we go on later on to realize why that is. Uh, But as as the the angel is speaking to Zechariah, he's saying, your prayer has been heard. And I think this is really comforting for you and I while we sit out the seasons of change and the seasons of longing and the seasons of, of even unresolved prayers. We need to know that God has heard our prayers. In fact, he tells us very clearly, even before we pray things, he already knows what we need to pray. So every time you and I speak out our prayer, we're, we're agreeing with a spirit of faith that we believe that our Jesus is, is hearing our prayer and that we're looking to him and we're displaying to heaven and hell and we're displaying the fact that we trust in God and, and, and we will come before him and ask these things. So he's basically saying, you know, your prayer has been heard. God has heard your prayer and you, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. So obviously these guys have been asking for this. And then it goes on in the next few verses to tell us what he will be like, what this child will be like, the, the habits that he will form and how he will be filled with the Holy Spirit and how he's going to turn people back to God. And he's going to go before the, the Lord in spirit and in the power of Elijah. It's these great prophetic declarations of how great this child is going to be and what he's going to do for God and how he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And uh, just just an amazing prophetic declaration of how he's going to make ready for the Lord a people who are prepared. And then Zechariah goes on to say this. He says to the angel, how shall I know this? Interesting question because he's been longing. He's been waiting. He's been praying for this. He says, for I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. So this is something that they've labored over in prayer. Just like you and I, we labor over things, so many different aspects of our lives that we constantly bring before God. And obviously, even like for Brahma and I, as we get older, we get into our, into our older years, there are still things that we're believing for and expecting, and we're still praying. But I know and I can take assurance, when I read these kind of stories in, in the Bible, 
that my prayer and his prayer has been heard by God. And he goes on to say, the, the angel goes on to say, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. So in other words, God wants to bring comfort to this man. And behold, in verse 20, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Why? Why did he do that? It goes on to say, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. You know, there are sometimes there are just things that have to, we have to wait out the passage of time. As we disciple ourselves, remember the, the point of this, this, this point one is disciple ourselves firmly through any season. As we disciple ourselves, we have to have the assurance that he's heard our prayers and that, that he, is, he is listening, but we have to trust in, in God's response to us and that the, when God fulfills his word to us, we've got to realize that there is timing involved in that. And that's what this angel is actually saying to Zechariah. So we realize that Zechariah had actually given up. He was actually tired. He was getting tired of waiting to the point that he was in sort of unbelief, really. How shall I know this? I'm actually an old man and my wife is advancing. Is How are you going to do this? Like I've been waiting for this for a long time. So his emotions of just hanging in there the emotions of anxiety, the emotions of doubt actually got the better of him. He was this old guy basically saying, hey, I'm impatient. When is this thing going to happen for me? And yet the Bible is very clear to us. And this is how we, you and I, as disciples of Jesus, position ourselves to disciple ourselves in these areas that we are longing to see the goodness of God. You know, the, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, and I understand that. But there is a truth that we can also stand in, and, and I'll read it to you from Hebrews 6, verse 11 and 12. There is a scriptural principle for every single d dilemma that you and I go through. Every single day when we wake up, and you know, like I, like I said at the start, Brahm and I have woken up every morning, over the, especially these last few months, feeling the, the heaviness, feeling the weight, feeling the, the, the uh, burden and the, the, the weightiness of what we've all gone through. We're, we're human beings just like the rest of you. And we've felt that even depression wanting to creep in on our hearts and on our lives. And uh, it's very important that, that we disciple ourselves and pull ourselves up with truth every single day. And so that's why when we feed ourselves the Word of God, as you and I go through things, guess what speaks to us? The Word. Remember, it's living and it's active and it separates the, the, the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. It separates the soul from our spirit. It judges the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. So when we have thoughts that are not from God, when they're just from our own soulish thinking or they're from the devil himself, the father of lies, as the Bible calls him. The Word of God, when it's put into our hearts like a seed into the soil of our hearts, will actually come up and spring up and it will speak to us. And you know what? I've experienced that over these last few months. Why? Because I've trained myself in it for 41 years. I've trained myself. I can't just rely on Bram to prop me up. I can't just rely on 
fellow believers around me to prop me up. I can't just rely on elders above me to prop me up. I can't just rely on church every Sunday getting together with with you guys to prop me up. I need the word of God every day propping me up and speaking to me and becoming a louder voice in my heart. Because I tell you, we can't go through life without that. We get heavy. We, we start to long and we start to we, we, uh, get impatient, just like Zechariah. We start to doubt the faithfulness of God that we've been hearing about recently. We start to doubt the, the truth of who Jesus is that we've been hearing about. We start to question, will he really hear me? Will he really come through? Will he really answer my prayers? But when we have the word of God stronger in us, then the turbulence around us, when it becomes stronger than the emotions of whatever it is that that we're going through, when the word becomes stronger, it pulls us up. It lifts us up. And there's an incredible scripture, like I, I was about to read to you, Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope. Not just now, but what does it say? Until the end. Guys, we cannot ever give up on hope. You can't give up on hope. We put our faith in God. We put our trust in God. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Every morning when we wake up, we say, your mercies are new every morning. And then it goes on to say, so that you may not be sluggish. Wow. I have felt what it's like to be sluggish. This lockdown has played with my mental health. Yeah? It's played with your mental health. It's mucked around with our thinking and, our, and uh, what has normally been just a normal part of our life with those things taken away from us, with a disruption in our lives. We've become sluggish in so many areas and maybe we've been sluggish in building ourselves up in truth and reminding ourselves of the power of God, that the kingdom of God is within us. Let me, let me finish this verse here. It says, so that you, okay, let, let me say it again. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness. Okay, that's, that's a decision. That's a choice. That very word earnestness shows me that there's got to be almost something that drives us, that reminds us, I've got to do this or else. I've got to be keen and I've got to pursue this. I can't just rely on everything around me. I can't rely on a joyful news feed on my you know, Instagram or on my Twitter feed. I can't just rely on a, on a prop up on a Sunday morning when we used to get together in church. No, I have to have an earnestness to have the full assurance of faith until the end so that I will not be sluggish. And then it goes on to say, but imitators imitators guys of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises wow so what does that say to me first of all my responsibility is that I've got to show earnestness in this I've got to show discipline I've got to disciple myself firmly in this season I cannot lament and whinge and cry to Brahm which I do all the time but you know what? It goes both ways. We, we strengthen one another. But in the end, he's not going to be my strength. I'm not going to be his strength. Jesus is my strength. The word of God is my rock. He is my rock. He is my salvation. And so I learned that I've got to be earnest. And I cannot afford 
to be sluggish. But I've got to hold on to hope until the end. And the result of that is I won't be sluggish, but I'll become an imitator of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And this is when I go to those above me. I go to Pastor Phil Hills. I go to, to, to you know others that are older than me. I go to Barbara Hills and I, I look to Phil and Barbara. They are elders. They are people that I can imitate through faith and patience. I've watched them. They're a generation above me. I've watched them inherit the promises in in their own lives. I've watched them go through the grief of losing a son at an early age, the devastation of a a son being killed in a car accident. I've, I've watched them continue on to pastor. I've watched them as people have come against them in their own church that they've led and bring division and and divide their church and speak badly and slander. I've watched them as heroes of the faith who have gone before me. I've watched them even in this season during lockdown. I've watched them. And, and I've seen how they've held on to the promises of God and they are never sluggish. They're in their 80s and you could never accuse them of being sluggish. The earnestness that they show is, is constant and is consistent. And you know what? I want to be that sort of example to you guys. I want to be that sort of example. I want to be that sort of example to my own husband. You know, he needs me to strengthen him as much as I need him to encourage me. Because many of us have had our mental health challenged in this time. Just being cooped up in houses, not being able to see people, especially for people who are incredible uh, extroverts. They need the energy of being around people. And when they haven't had that around them, they struggle and they suffer. Bram is an extrovert. He suffered with that. He struggled with that, of not being able to be with people. So how do we handle this? How do we disciple ourselves firmly In any season, especially in this season, we disciple ourselves back to a place of courage and of strength. And we rule our minds and we don't indulge our fears. The minute we start to understand that we have fears going on, and how do we understand that? Well, if we're putting the word of God in, the word will expose it. It judges the thoughts and intentions of our heart. It separates our soulish from the spirit man which hears the word of God strongly and we pull ourselves back and we stir ourselves up with the spirit of faith. The Bible, there are a lot of scriptures that talk about how to stir ourselves up, to edify ourselves in the word of God by praying in the spirit. And as we do that, our words begin to show what we believe. All right? So that's the first one. Disciple ourselves firmly in any season. And the second one is this. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary, guys, as we do this. Galatians 6, 9 to 10 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. I love how in so many scriptures you see the timeline of God. It's not instantaneous. It's not this, you know, I'll speak this and that'll happen. No, there's a due season. There's an assurance of hope until the end. There is a sowing and there is a reaping. And it says, if we do not give up, do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So we can't grow weary. We can't grow weary. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Powerful keys here. 
don't grow weary in doing good for other people. And when we have an opportunity, and we have an opportunity now, encourage one another, do good to other people, invite other people into your home. You know, maybe you like to just be on your own or be alone or be just, you don't want to have people into your home. But put your eyes onto other people and go, how can I be a blessing to other people and shift my eyes off of myself? How can I do that? Oh, I want to open up my home. I want to invite people over to share church with me. They can sit with me in my lounge room. I'll make them coffees and tea. I'll serve them. And I'll, I'll not be weary in doing good to other people. Second Thessalonians 3, 13 to 15, once again says, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. The same thing. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him. That he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Like God actually takes this kind of stuff seriously. This isn't just a suggestion. This is this is actually a habit and a decision and a choice that you and I need to make as fellow believers to strengthen one another, especially as the household of faith. And then there's another one in Hebrews. It says, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is Hebrews 12, verses 3 to 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. I mean, that's a pretty heavy scripture. But it kind of brings our struggles and our well, whatever we're going through, it brings it into the context of the bigger picture. Jesus died to the context, to the point of shedding his blood so that you and I can actually stand strong. And we also don't need to grow weary. We don't need to grow faint-hearted. This is really important. Every morning I wake myself up. As I, sorry, as I wake up, I remind myself and I think, I've got to disciple myself. I'm the one, only one that's responsible to disciple myself properly and correctly. And I cannot grow weary. Brahm and I have to make decisions every day. We will sit here and we will focus on our people. We will focus on how to build our church in these difficult times. We will focus on how to restructure our church because we've had to do that. We've had to create an entire new online service, a whole online campus. And that's taken huge behind the scenes activity with a multitude of incredible people who have poured out their their life skills and their heart and their passion for Jesus to help us to establish what we're doing right now. But in the midst of that, we're still human beings and we miss getting together. We miss worshipping with everyone. But you know what? I'm not going to grow weary. I will not grow weary. What if we go into a third lockdown? What if that happens again? What if there's a third wave? These are key principles for any season in our life. And I love this scripture, Romans 5. Three to four, and it says this not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Yeah, we've all suffered. Remember, there are there are times just in normal life that are challenges, but then there are certain seasons where things feel escalated, like like the current one we've been in. And this caused sufferings in our lives. But we rejoice in our sufferings, the Bible says, knowing the suffering produces endurance. We heard recently about having an enduring faith, so powerful. But what does endurance produce? It produces character. It produces character. So this is incredible because then what does 
character produce? It produces hope. Remember we read earlier about having a full assurance of hope until the end, having the same earnestness to have that full hope? Well, that's what, that's what suffering will do. When we go through suffering, there's, a, there's an end in, in sight. There is an end in mind. If we will walk this journey with God and not give up, if we will disciple ourselves strongly, if we will not grow weary on putting our eyes on serving others, these are very powerful principles that we can live our lives on every single day. When I feel that overwhelming weight of depression or heaviness, or hopelessness trying to come against me. And believe me, I felt that. I've told, I think I've spoken about this in the other online sermons that I've done every day. I said, now come on, Diane, you're going to grow up now. You're going to rule your mind. You're not going to give in to the emotions of fear and anxiety, the lies of the enemy. You're going to grow up, girl. Come on. You're going to be strong because the church needs you. Your family needs you. Your children, your grandchildren, your husband needs you. This is what I tell myself. You don't have the luxury to sit down and lament and whinge and whine and carry on. You have a blessed life. This is how I talk to myself. You have a very blessed life. Look at everything around you. Be thankful. Be thankful you've got a marriage that is incredible. Be thankful that you've got five healthy children. Be thankful that you've got five healthy grandchildren. Be thankful that you've got two incredible churches that you oversee. Be thankful, Diane, that you're alive, that you have a healthy body. The the list is endless that I can be thankful for. So what happens when we suffer? It produces endurance. And when when we... have endurance that is tied in with thankfulness and going, God, I'm going to do this, then endurance produces character. It produces gold in our lives. And then what does character produce? It produces hope. And hope does not disappoint. Hope does not put us to shame. It doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Wow. You know what I see from that? When we have hope, it's like we become buoyant. I don't know about you, but when I feel that hope that comes up in me, when I've gone through time, I'm not talking about um, hyper kind of emotional feelings. No, I'm talking about the end product of suffering. I, I understand after 41 years of walking with the Lord, I see this play out in my life consistently because God is constantly pruning me. Because he wants growth. And when he prunes, there's a feeling of suffering. But then I push through with endurance and it produces more character, more fruit. And then when I have more fruit, <clears throat> pardon me, there's more hope. And when then, there, then when there's that hope, that hope, is, it, it takes away any sense of sluggishness. And it gives me faith and patience to inherit the promises of God. And when I have that hope, I feel kind of buoyant because it's a God hope. It's not a a hyper hope. It's not an emotional hope. It's not something that in 10 seconds will go crashing down. It's an eternal hope. And it's in a knowing that despite and in spite of my circumstances around me, there is something incredible that God is doing in me. And you know what? When I have that, I become productive to people around me. And I can... I am so able to focus on other people and my servanthood and my giving out becomes tangible and it becomes a blessing to people around me. It's not forced. It's something that I can do joyfully because I'm no longer hopeless. Isn't that amazing? 
Disciple yourself. Don't grow weary. And then the last scripture I want to give, and then I'll wrap it up, points us to the last principle, which is this. Strongly and strenuously contend, strenuously contend on behalf of other people. And you've heard Brahma and I say the scripture over and over. It's kind of our catch cry. I think it's on our website. It, it sort of states our... I remember Bram reading these two verses out to me one day and I said, Bram, that's our job description right there. And so that's become our job description. And in verse 28 and 29, this is what it says in Colossians 1. He is the one that we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Okay, so this is our job description. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is our job for you. Our job is to proclaim him, is to admonish sometimes, which is strong and can feel quite abrasive, but it's, it, that's what admonishment means, is to bring us all back into line with truth, teaching everyone with all wisdom, and we can only get wisdom from God, so that we may then present you guys fully mature in Christ. But then verse 29 makes it personal, and it says this, To this end, I strenuously contend, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. You see, Jesus Christ provides the power, the miracle-working dunamis power of his spirit that is alive and at work within me to be able to enable me. And yet it says, I have to strenuously contend with that end in mind, with that goal in mind. What's the goal? To bring you guys. That's what I can't afford to grow weary in. I can't afford. Brahma and I cannot afford to grow weary in bringing you guys to full maturity in Christ. Is it hard? You better believe it's hard because we're trying to bring ourselves, disciple ourselves to full maturity at the same time. But every day to that end, with that goal in mind, we strenuously contend. That means there has to be effort on my part and on Brahm's part. There is a partnership of effort with the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in me. He's providing the power, but I have to strenuously contend. I have to work hard and hold on to that by not growing weary, by discipling myself. Guys, this is the key for living. If we want to have a blessed life, if a blessed life isn't in the belongings that we own. A blessed life is in the satisfaction of, satisfaction of living our life on behalf of other people. And this is how we do it, by being strong in him and not strong in ourselves. You know, just recently, I remember Brahm going through a, a heavy moment. And, uh, and he, was, he was expressing that to me. And I was sitting there watching my amazing husband who is so strong in the Lord, who's so strong in the Lord. And I watched him just in one little moment breaking under the weight of things that he was experiencing, the burdens. And it's always the grace of God that when he goes through that, I'm, I happen to be strong. And it's always vice versa. When I'm going through those moments, he's the one that strengthens me. And in this moment, I was the one that was feeling strong. And uh, as he was saying what he was expressing, straight away this scripture came to mind. 
See, when we have the word in us, it speaks at the moment we need it most. And I looked at him and I said, Brahm, I didn't even answer all his things that he was saying. I didn't even comment on all the things that he was saying because I know he loves the truth more than anything. I know he loves the word above everything. And I said to him, I said, Brahm, to this end, and he knew exactly what I was about to say. He looked at me. I said, to this end, you and I, and you will strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully is working within you right now. And I watched him. I watched him gain strength. I watched him begin to pull himself out. I watched the assurance of hope beginning to well up again within him. See, we need each other, guys. But we need each other to speak truth. We need each other to know the word of God for when it matters most. And for us to know the word of God when it matters most on behalf of others, we need to know when it matters most for you and I as individuals. Amen? Put the word of God in this week. Sorry for crying. I always cry. You can tell I need you guys, right? Getting very emotional. But listen, what an amazing opportunity for us to have proven over 2020 when we look back and we can say we stood firm, we discipled ourselves well and we kept our eyes on other people and we didn't grow weary and we stood firm and we made a choice to strenuously contend. Now remember when you do that, when you're strenuous, it's going to hurt something. You're exercising a a spiritual muscle. And just like in any physical gym work, there's pain involved with that. But guys, it is so worth it when we do that. Okay? So let's encourage each other this week. Invite people to the picnic. And let's just have a blast seeing each other and, and loving one another. But in the meantime, next Sunday morning also, gather together in your homes. I can't remember. I've lost track of how many were allowed in the homes. But find out... You know, get the numbers correct and invite people over and just do life with each other. Worship together, listen to to the to the word of God together. And um yeah, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be amazing. All right? Encourage one another in the Lord. I love you guys and um we'll see you soon. Can't wait. See ya. <laughs>